Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. We did our research and uh, who this person is uh, beyond what the perception of him. There's no doubt uh, that he has made mistakes. Uh, we acknowledge that. And more importantly, he recognizes that he's made mistakes and he knows he's got to continue to work and grow as a person. You know, we talked to his uh, teammates, coaches, support staff. We have guys that played with them. And, you know, everybody that's worked with him, the common thread was the, the message was that th they support this player. So we felt comfortable after doing all the research of bringing him here on a short-term deal and we'll continue to uh, work with them. Don, you, you didn't run into any red flags when talking to all these people there was no one out there who said that that this this isn't going to work uh absolutely not actually you know we've uh talked to a lot of people involved here and you know the good not the good thing there's you know the thing about it is tony recognizes that he's made mistakes and every time he's made mistakes he's improved on it and you know it's something that he's fully aware of, we're fully aware of. And, you know, that's why, again, we did a, a short-term contract, uh, a very low number. Um, you know, we'll get him here, get him in our environment. And uh, we believe, you know, it'll all go well for us. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Canes Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Rangers Roundup. I'm sorry, it's the Canes Corner Podcast. You'll get the joke in just a second. I'm Adam Gold. A lot of things to discuss as we continue through the offseason and the building portion of the offseason as the Carolina Hurricanes try to construct a roster that will have a ton of turnover from a year ago and really from the core of the teams that uh, created this three-year run of playoff appearances. Uh, we started with Don Waddell, the general manager and president of the Hurricanes. We will also hear from Tony D'Angelo. And then uh, after the break, uh, we will talk with former Hurricane, Hurricanes legend, Stanley Cup champion, my friend Eric Cole will join us. We'll talk about the acquisition of Tony D'Angelo and what that means uh, and a couple of other things about the team as well. Because this was a very, very tumultuous time for Carolina. They were busy in the transaction market. Busy. Uh, there were, a lot, I think, a lot of good things that they did. And maybe uh, a bad thing they didn't do. And a disappointing thing that might be a good thing. I'm not going to rule that out in terms of the signing of Tony D'Angelo. Uh, so uh, a lot of things to do. Uh, the Eric Cole conversation went a little bit longer than I anticipated, but I don't think you all will hate that. 
It's about uh, 40 minutes of a conversation with Eric Cole, but uh, we got into a lot of things, and we will continue to get into those things. Uh, but we're going to do here real quick is address what Dom Waddell said. Then we're going to bring you Tony D'Angelo's comments, not all of them, uh, because I think he spoke for about, oh, I don't know, 16 or so minutes uh, on a Zoom conference call. Uh, and as you could expect, every call was based, every question was basically, uh, you know, are you, why are you, what did you, how, how have you stopped being a jerk? Right, those types of things. So um, we're not going to belabor you with too much of that, but we'll play a little bit of it, uh, give you a taste of what it was all about. But as for Don Waddell's comments, we did our research. Well, I mean, I don't know what that research entails, uh, but really all the research they needed to do was honestly talk to two members of their own team. And Jesper Faust and Brady Shea were both teammates of Tony D'Angelo in New York. And by all accounts, neither... I'm not saying both vouched for him because I don't know that to be true or not. Uh, but neither told the team, yeah, no, don't do it. Not worth it. So uh, that that can lead you down one of two paths that Tony D'Angelo, while clearly flawed as a human being, as many people are, is a good teammate. Because that's really all that matters, right? Are they good teammates? In in terms of what athletes value. So we're going to get into the broader picture of that in a little bit. But we did our research. I think it was Corey Lavalette asked a follow-up question. No red flags. I mean, the red flags are documented. The red flags are multiple suspensions in junior hockey. Um, although Tony disputes whether or not they were both for violation of what would amount to uh, using racial or ethnic slurs. Tony says only one of them was, but, I mean, published stories from back when they occurred, back in, I believe, 2014, um, have claimed that it was multiple violations and multiple suspensions against a policy that would deal with slurs, either racial or ethnic or homophobic slurs. One, you know, is... Uh, any one of those. There's also video of his dad uh, on social media basically saying, yeah, yeah, what Tony got suspended for, I would get suspended every day. I will just say that intolerance to that end is not natural, it's learned. And that's another red flag for me, but in terms of anything else, I mean, he's not under active criminal investigation for anything. He hasn't committed a crime. Um, you know, not being nice, not being tolerant, being, I'm not going to say a racist because that is a loaded, loaded, almost an unfair comment uh, unless you can prove that somebody, um, you know, is in fact a racist. Um, but there's, there's nothing that's, uh, you know, it's been denied. Anyway, we, we, I, I don't want to talk about it too much until we hear Tony, because then I have some things to say after that before we get to um, Eric Cole. A reminder, 
Brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. No place like it. If it's for the exterior of your home, like siding would be, roofing would be, windows, yes, that's indoors and outdoors, but it's basically the outside of your home. So uh, everything online, aluminumcompany.com, no obligation estimate. All right, so let's do this. Let's hear from Tony D'Angelo. Get uh, a taste of what that was like. And then we'll go through some uh, some of the things he said and uh, some thoughts that I have. And I don't want to spend a ton of time because uh, I do want to leave a little bit of time before we get to Eric Cole uh, to deal with the makeup of the team, which I'm going to say um, is close to being pretty darn good. Close. I think there's still a hole or two, but very close to being pretty darn good. I will give uh, high marks uh, to Tom Dundon and company for, I think, putting together a team. I don't know that they're, they're as good as last year yet, and I'm disappointed that Brock McGinn left, but uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. First, Tony D'Angelo met the media, obviously, Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday evening as the Hurricanes completed a one-year, $1 million uh, unrestricted free agent contract signing. Here's D'Angelo. I mean, a lot of the stuff that's happened in my career stemmed from, you know, emotions from being competitive. You know, there's never been any off-ice problems or anything like that. It just comes from having a high level of compete for the game and passion for the game. And I think I've made some mistakes along the way, obviously, stuff that I regretted and, you know, tried to improve upon. And now I just have to prove it to the Hurricanes. I think they spoke to, like Don said and stuff, they spoke to a lot of people and I've spoken to them and they've talked to ex-teammates and coaches and stuff and they felt comfortable to, uh, to bring me in and I told him I'm not going to let them down. I'm a man of my word. So that's what I, uh, that's what I plan on doing. Don said you were working with a group in New York to kind of rectify mistakes you've made in the past. Can you kind of be more specific about that and tell us kind of what specifically you've done that shows you've kind of changed and learned from your mistakes? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm not going to get too specific with the group and stuff. It's through my agency and we kind of worked together. Obviously I've had some, uh, some downtime here since the beginning of February after leaving New York, but, uh, it's just trying to control your emotions the best you can and not, you know, and not letting the emotions get the best of you and making mistakes from it. So we've done, uh, we've done a lot of work and my agency set us up with some good people. And uh, I think there's been a lot of progress. And now, like I said, I just have to go uh, to Carolina when I get there and uh, prove it to the team and the players and, and obviously ownership coaches. So I'm looking forward to it. Tony, there was a, uh, when the Rangers sent you home last year, they said there was an incident uh, that, that happened. What, what was that incident? And, and kind of what was the aftermath of that? Yeah, I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to go into incidents and stuff that exactly what happened. That's uh, private stuff. They didn't let it out. I'm not going to be the one to let it out. I will say that I think there's been some uh, misunderstanding of maybe exactly what happened, but um, I'm not going to dive into it. It's in the past. There's mistakes made, you know, for myself that I that I take responsibility for and, and on the other side as well. But um, it is what it is. You got to move on. And like I said, I'm excited to be in Carolina and uh, continue my career. Obviously, the, the questions about the past are coming up and, and you're, you're facing them. But my question to you is, what exactly are you going to have to do to try to win people over? I mean, win your teammates over, win the organization. The organization seems to be won over because they gave you the deal. But winning your teammates over, winning the fan base over and proving to people that what happened in the past is in the past. I mean, do you have a, a plan on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, the teammates to me is not going to be a problem. I've always had great relationship with teammates. And that might sound funny, obviously, because I had an issue with the you know, an altercation, as you might want to say, 
that came out in New York, but I've always had good relationship with teammates. I have two former teammates actually on Carolina with Brady and, and Jesper that uh, I was real close with and spoke to both of those guys today. But, uh, you know, I think the fans are going to appreciate my play. I play hard. I, you know, I make plays. I'll stick up for my teammates and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I think there's a perception of myself and I think there's a reality as well. And, you know, it gets lost a little bit from what you read on, on social media and stuff. Everybody likes to make up their own thing. But I think once the fans get to see me play, and see me around the community, I think they're going to take a liking to me, and I hope they do. So that's my plan. You know, there's been fans that have been pretty vocal on uh, wanting to cancel their uh, season tickets because of your signing, but you just said that um, you, there's a difference between the perception and reality of who you are. Can you speak to what the reality of who you are is for the fans who, who don't know, who all they have to go on are the things that they've read uh, through uh, other publications or on social media? Yeah, I mean, it's that's a really good question, to be honest with you, because it's, it's always hard to to describe exactly what you are, and everybody you know wants to describe himself in the best in the best light possible. But I mean, I've made mistakes in my career, like I've said, but they're not mistakes that define me as a person. I've made mistakes based off of you know competing and letting my emotions get the best of me in a game because I want to win. I haven't made mistakes off the ice saying you know bad things to people and doing bad things to people. I've I've said some stuff and done some stuff that stem from being on the ice that I regret. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I haven't done it or, you know, but I regret it. I got to move on. Like you got to, you know, you got to become a better person and, and control it. I'm not going to act like it never happened. So I think once they watch me play, you know, they're going to see me on the ice more than anything. But I think once they watch me play and interact with people, I'm uh, big in the community here. The people, you know, I have a lot of uh, close ties at the hockey rinks and stuff around here. And, and I think once they get to see that, they're going to know what kind of person I am. And, and uh, I would hope that they don't cancel their season tickets. There's a lot of great players on the team. It's a great organization. And, uh, Stick with us. Give me a shot, and I'm going to make the best for you guys. Tony D'Angelo, South Jersey through and through. Uh, A couple of quick things about that, then I have some broad comments about what we all as fans need to deal with. First of all, blaming what you say, how you act, what you, how you refer to people, slurs, being mean, basing that on a high level of compete is a little bit like saying, well, I was drunk when I said it. The problem for me with that is that when you are at your most emotional, to me is when you at your most honest. So... If that's what we're dealing with, if that's what we're, if that's how we're terming it, well, I was only competitive. Well, what you to me, what you're doing is you're showing who you are, and that's not pretty. So, I think excusing it based on competitiveness is not something I would do. Uh, by the way, the downtime since the beginning of February came because the Rangers sent him home. Think about this. Tony D'Angelo is a talented player. Really, really talented player. Just in terms of hockey, and we'll get into this with Eric Cole later, just in terms of hockey, one year, $1 million is a freaking steal for somebody who is that good offensively. He is. I mean, there's not a ton of difference in terms of uh, impact on the game offensively between Dougie Hamilton and Tony D'Angelo, and I assume he'll wear number 77. Uh, respect to Paul Coffey. Uh, but there's I mean, $7 million. Le- I'm sorry. 
$8 million less than what Hamilton is getting paid this year by the Devils. Um, not excusing it. I'm just saying that in terms of um, impact on the ice and impact on the cap, I mean, the Hurricanes, have that is a value contract, assuming that Tony D'Angelo isn't a... Uh, isn't a negative in ways other than on the ice. So, um, very, very talented player. Uh, so the Rangers signed him to a two-year contract worth about a little bit, roughly $9 million total. I think the cap hit was like 4.6 or whatever, 4.8. So $9.5 million. So the Rangers got six games out of that contract, then bought him out. Because this past season, he was a... um, He played six games and they sent him home. And my understanding is that the incident wasn't just uh, like an altercation with the teammate locker room. My understanding was that it was an insubordination with the coach. Which I'm going to guess ain't going to happen here with Rod Brindamore. Because Rod carries... Uh, the cachet that most NHL coaches don't carry because Rod played the game uh, at a higher level than, I'm trying to think if if I can recall every other head coach in the league, at a higher level than every other head coach in the league. And he had the respect of players all over the place, and Rod coaches players like he wanted to be coached as a player. Um. So I don't anticipate that being a problem anymore. But it was, uh, there was an altercation. Um, and as it turns out, there's been some stories written about the other player in that altercation and the other guy wasn't such a great teammate. Uh, and again, we didn't have Jesper Faust and Brady Shea say, don't bring him in. Let's get to a broad look at this issue before I look at the roster. And I'm not going to spend very much time on this at all. And for the purpose of this... I'm going to put myself in the position of a fan because I have never denied that while I cover the team and I try to cover it objectively, I am because of relationships that I have with people or players, more so with former players uh, than with current players, but I consider myself a fan too. Uh, And I've heard from plenty of season ticket members that canceled their season tickets. And I know that, I mean, I don't know what the number is of people who have canceled season tickets, but uh, I know that people have. And I think it's fair to be disappointed in the organization because I'm disappointed in the organization for going down this road, and here's why. Much like when the University of North Carolina was found to be just like everybody else, there's no air quotes, Carolina way, that was always a mirage, always a fallacy. Carolina broke the rules like every other school who breaks the rules. They broke the rules academically, which was worse. That was the Carolina way, right? They Carolina does differently. Uh, not really. They're the same. So it was fair, and I know people within the University of North Carolina athletic department who were disappointed when they found out what was going on. Because really, North Carolina wasn't much different than other schools that break the rules. But when you build up the Carolina way, 
And now I'll fold it back to hockey. Rod Brindamore saying that the number one concern on every player they bring in is the kind of person that person that uh, that player is. It's disappointing when they overlook the kind of person Tony D'Angelo has been and just look at, man, he's a good player. And he can be a very good player. So um, that's where that's where I stand on that. It was disappointing that Carolina compromised their own standards to bring in, admittedly, a very talented player. At least offensively. He's not a great defensive defenseman, but uh, nor was Dougie Hamilton, in case you're not paying attention. All right. Um, it is fair to point these the, the next few things out. Tony D'Angelo did not commit a crime. So, we don't have a criminal. We do have somebody who has said and done things in his past that are regrettable and probably speak to how he thinks more than anything else, uh, but not a criminal. And I will say this. As a fan, you would be appalled, disappointed, and at sometimes, at some points, heartbroken if you found out how your favorite players thought about, and I'm not talking about anybody specifically, about issues that you care about. You would be surprised. The, the difference between Tony D'Angelo and other people, other players, is that we know for a fact how Tony D'Angelo thinks. Because it's been out there on Twitter. Or, heck, if you're on Parler, I'm sure it's out there. And maybe your favorite player, and I'm not, I don't know who that might be. Maybe your favorite player thinks exactly the same way, but has been in control of his emotions enough to not let the world in on it. The number one concern of athletes is, are you a good teammate? They will overlook everything. Everything else. They will overlook criminal activity if you are a good teammate. Because all they want to know is, can you help me win? And because of that, if Tony D'Angelo is a good teammate, it doesn't matter if Tony D'Angelo hates you because of the way you look. If Tony D'Angelo can help me win, then I'm good with that. That's the way the athlete feels. Final thing on this. As fans, we are all asked to decide how much value we put on that, on that behavior, that character, those thoughts. And I will give just two examples, but there are probably a thousand and two examples if we sat here long enough. I'll give two examples. Fans of the Kansas City Chiefs. Are you a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs? How do you feel about having Tyreek Hill on your team? Tyreek Hill isn't a great human being. Chiefs fans have to make a decision. Do you want to be a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs? And if the answer is yes, then you probably either have ignored it have decided to block it out of your mind, or you have just decided to swallow hard and say, yeah, 
he's a jerk and he's a despicable person, but man, is he great and he helps us win. The San Francisco Giants and their fans had to stomach Barry Bonds, who was not nice to his teammates, but boy, did he help them win. Boy, did he help them win. Giants fans love Barry Bonds. Those of us who look at Barry Bonds and go, man, what a cheat. What a scoundrel. Doesn't matter to Giants fans. They're still fans. That's the decision that all fans have to make. I will not tell you that you're crazy for canceling your season tickets. I will not tell you uh, that you're great for canceling your season tickets. Is he a good teammate? We'll find out. And the answer to all of these questions will happen over time, over the next year. Quick thoughts on the roster that was built already and is continuing to still be built. Uh, for the for all I know, while I'm recording this, the Hurricanes have signed three more former New York Rangers. And I bring that up. Remember, I started the whole thing with, uh, this is the Rangers roundup. They now have six players on their roster right now. And frankly, all six will likely be in the opening night, maybe not lineup, barring injury, but you know, maybe one will be healthy scratched, but the, or, or more, but they have six former Rangers on the roster. One of the goalies, Antti Ranta, former Ranger. Uh, D'Angelo, <laughs> Brady Shea, Brendan Smith, who was brought in as what I assume will be an extra defenseman, a seventh defenseman, maybe even somebody who can skate on a forward line, on a fourth line, because uh, he has done both for the Rangers. Call him a modern-day Steve Halko. Look it up. Uh, they signed Derek Stepan, <laughs> uh, former Rangers and Ottawa uh, center, uh, and he used to play in the top nine for the Rangers, but my guess is that he's no better than a fourth center, uh, fourth line center for the Hurricanes. But that'd be good because he can kill penalties, and he's a right shot. So Rod has more flexibility in the faceoff circle uh, with uh, with Vincent Trocheck and Derek Stepan, uh, and of course you've got uh, Jesper Faust. Uh, so that's six former Rangers on the roster right now. Uh, Andrei Svechnikov still has to be signed. Um, that's taking too long for me. The longer it takes, the longer I would worry about an offer sheet. I know. I know it's probably not going to happen. It may be not. But if you were a vindictive team out there and were mad at the Hurricanes, if you signed Andrei Svechnikov to the exact same offer sheet that Sebastian Ajo received from the Montreal Canadiens, the Hurricanes would match it. And the Hurricanes would have, A, overpaid Andrei Svechnikov by a bit and undertermed him because the, the worst part about the Sebastian Ajo contract is that it was only five years and not eight. And if, you're gonna, if the Hurricanes are going to sign Svechnikov to a long-term deal, it's going to be eight years, not five. Uh, personally, I think it's going to be a bridge contract, but we'll have to wait and see how that whole thing works out. Uh, but... We're now uh, well into the period where Svechnikov could be signed, uh, and he's not signed. Uh, Carolina added D'Angelo, Ian Cole, and Ethan Bear, along with Brendan Smith. So four new defensemen on the roster. Yanni Hockenpah is gone. Jake Gardner's still here, but the Hurricanes are trying to get Jake to accept long-term injury assignment, basically. I think they want him to have surgery on his back, 
Jake Gardner doesn't believe he needs surgery on his back, so my guess is that the Hurricanes are just going to end up, if they can't find a deal for Jake Gardner, they're going to go into the season uh, with essentially a $4.05 million dead spot on their salary though salary cap. They'll probably waive him uh, with the purpose of sending him to the minor leagues, and maybe that's where Jake Gardner will have to play. I don't know what's going to happen there, uh, but the Hurricanes are going to actively try to um, remove the $4.05 million salary off their cap. Uh, because if they can remove that, then they have a lot of cap room. Right now they have about $11.5 million worth of cap space. We don't know what the uh, the cap hit's going to be on Andre Svechnikov. If it's a bridge deal, my guess is that it'll be somewhere in the neighborhood of $6.5 million. All right. But D'Angelo, Ethan Bear, who was a good young right shot defenseman, uh, from Edmonton, he comes in the Warren Fogle trade, which I loved. Uh, I think Bear Bear has a future. Bear could end up playing in your top four even this year. And I think Bear is a young, competitive, uh, growing, improving defenseman. That could end up being a steal, uh, especially here in Carolina. And I think he's going to get an opportunity. And Ian Cole is just a veteran, uh, defensive-minded, doesn't make any mistakes, can play physical, has some size. Like I said, for all the uh, the tumult over the signing of Tony D'Angelo, I just don't know that Carolina made too many personnel mistakes. Uh, other than, and my biggest problem with the offseason was letting Brock McGinn go for a contract that should have been enough to keep him. Jordan Martinook is making 1.8. They brought him back on a three-year deal. They didn't want to go to four years for Brock McGinn. I understand that, but to me, Brock McGinn's part of your culture. Um, it lost Morgan Geeky in expansion. The goalie changes were, I mean, to me, it's a wash. If you want to say that Carolina got better in goal, I, I know a lot of people feel that uh, with Frederick Anderson and uh, Ante Ranta. If you want to say Carolina improved in goal, that's fine. I know the organization feels like they did. I think it's I think it's a wash, but you might be right, I might, and I might be wrong, and that's okay. Um, I don't think it's definitive either way at this point. Uh, if you want to say, well, the other guys are proven, like yeah, the other guys have both been, you know, well, Rant has never been a bona fide number one, and he's not going to be here. It'll be Anderson. Um, but the truth is, is that. Ranta has never started a playoff game. And Anderson only won playoff series long ago with the Anaheim Ducks. It's like in the 14-15 season. He did not win a playoff series in Toronto. If you don't want to blame him for that, that's fine. But he hasn't been great in the postseason. And frankly, he wasn't great for Anaheim in that postseason. Just Anaheim was a very good team that just dealt with what amounted to League average goaltending. Um, Alex Adelkovich has won a playoff series. Peter Mrazek has won two, I guess. And Mrazek was basically the, uh, the the you know the number one goalie in the series over the Rangers. So I guess if you count that as a series, he's won three. Because I'll still give him credit for winning the series against the Islanders, uh, because the Hurricanes won those first two games in on Long Island. Uh, and Mrazek was the goalie of record and then got hurt. And then Reimer, uh, not Reimer, yeah, Reimer, fin- oh no, um, sorry, Curtis McElhinney finished up that series. 
So I think it's a wash in goal, but if you think otherwise, that's fine too. Uh, so I think Carolina has done well so far. The Canes have cap space. So even if Svechnikov, if they sign him long-term and it's an $8 million hit, they still have $3.5 million under the cap. But there's nothing that says that they can't include Nino Niederreiter in a trade and bring in uh, Vladimir Tarasenko or somebody else who might have some value and, you know, be able to play up front. I don't know. Does Columbus really want to keep Jakub Voracek? I'm not saying you have to go after him. And I'm not even saying that Voracek is a great player anymore. Uh, or does uh, do you want to go trade for Patrick Lyonet? Do you feel like you want to kick the tires on that? It's only one year at 7.5, and it's somebody who you might be able to move uh, if it's not working out. Or you could just walk away from him if it's not working out. Would you rather have Lion A than Nino Niederreiter? Maybe. Anyway, so uh, the Hurricanes have some flexibility, and they'll have more if they can uh, somehow shed themselves of Jake Gardner's $4.05 million cap hit for this year and next year. Works it deep. D'Angelo sets up Panarin. He scores! Power play is over. Frider to Zibanejad to D'Angelo. He scores! To a great start in this game with a goal and an assist. Ryan Strong, by the way, was on the ice with a short-handed goal. Here's a chance for Kreider. He scores! He's got three. There he is, top of the screen. Watch this play by D'Angelo. Hard pass, set play. Kreider with the speed and then the hands. He beats Blackwood, and that makes it a 3-1 game. What a play by D'Angelo again. Beautiful timing between D'Angelo and Kreider. He says, yeah, way to go. Mark Stahl, checked by Coleman. D'Angelo with a shot. He scores! Pass across. Out to D'Angelo. He shoots. He scores! Tony D'Angelo. It's a power play goal and a hat trick for Tony D. What a night. All right, Eric Cole. Let's, um... Let's dive right in. I don't want to spend like a ton of time on Tony D'Angelo, but obviously this is the this is the story, and we'll get into a lot of different things about it. But again, I don't want to uh, monopolize your entire day, so let's just get real as quickly as you want to do it. Say what you want; it doesn't matter to me. Um, what are your broad thoughts on bringing in Tony? Um. You know, for me, like I don't have a problem with it whatsoever, and I think I think Don said it best when he elaborated on you know that they've kind of done their homework on this player and done their research with uh, former teammates and coaches and everything. Like, you know, it, it's not. I mean, was was he in the wrong um, in New York? Like to, to get into, you know, an argument with a teammate like after a after a loss like that. I mean, yes, in some ways, it's uh, there's there's a level of professionalism that you have to have to play in the in the NHL, and I think for a young player that you know 
still finding his way, there's been a significant lesson learned. And I think that he's coming here, you know, with an opportunity to prove himself and to prove a lot of other people wrong, which is more important in my opinion. Um, I was always a player that wanted to prove people wrong. Uh, you, you always hear, you know, the out, outside influences that uh, are saying, you know, you're you're not you're not worth this, or you're <laughs> incapable of this. And for me, that was always, uh, you know, just a, another log on the fire to motivate me uh, to prove people wrong. And so I think that I think that him signing here with Carolina, one, it's going to be a I think a surprisingly better situation than he could have ever imagined. And he's going to come into a room and a group and a culture that um, is established where I think that New York is definitely the exact opposite. Like the Rangers do not have a, a, a culture and mm-hmm. There's a culture here in Carolina, and I think that it's something that you know a, a player like him will uh, adapt to and thrive in. And so, like I'm, I'm excited about this this signing. I think that he's got a lot to prove, and I think that he's going to get every opportunity to do so. Uh, we'll get to the player in a second because you, but you mentioned the culture, and this is something that. I trace back to, uh, I think, the day that Rod Brindamore became the head coach and named Justin Williams the captain. Um, And without getting into specifics, um, my understanding is that uh, both men are not concerned about the culture. It's easy to say that. Is there reason for anybody to worry that uh, somebody who has proven in the past to be somewhat divisive can do damage to the culture. See, I I don't view it in that in that manner. For me, um, when you have a culture that's already established, you have a, a room um, that's established. It. The, the, the person coming into that group that has to make the necessary adjustments or has to alter or, you know, try and blend in, fit in, whatever, whatever term you want to use. And so I think that when you have a group that's centered around, you know, Jordan Stahl, uh, in particular, Jordan is an incredible leader. Uh, of, of this team and obviously like you touched upon it it starts with, with Roddy it, it starts with with him at the top and then it filters down through the players and when players come in from, from other teams you either fit in or you stick out like a sore thumb mm-hmm. and if, if that's the case everyone will know and and then, the, then it becomes a situation where, okay, like this isn't going to work. But at the 
the salary level and the contract that he signed. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> like you're you're giving this kid an opportunity to to come in and prove that he can be a part of the, the culture and the dynamic and just fit in and be a piece of the puzzle. And that's all that Carolina is looking for. Carolina is looking for pieces of the puzzle. We already have uh, established, you know, the core group and the the guys that really mean something to this organization. And when you bring in new pieces and you bring in uh, other players, it's up to them and it's on them, not solely, but it's to them to to establish themselves amongst the, the, the herd, so to speak. And, and it's also on the leadership group to welcome somebody in and make sure that he doesn't feel like an outcast and, you know, make him feel a part of things. And I think that this is a, a wonderful situation, not only for the Hurricanes, but for this player. And moving forward, it, it, I think it's going to be like a, a, a tremendous, like a feel of the signing, um, because I feel like when he adapts and matures and understands uh, what we're trying to do here, he's going to want to be a part of this group. And future signings are 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 on the horizon for the for, for this young man. Uh, let me let me. I just want to dig down a little bit deeper on basically what he has, I guess, allegedly done or allegedly said, and because I'm curious, because I want to separate the person from the teammate, because I think that is important. Um, first of all, you can give me a yes or no answer to this, or, or expound on it however you like. But my conversations with athletes is that it doesn't matter. Like, once the games are over and uh, practices are over, it doesn't matter who you are outside of the locker room necessarily, but all they ca- all teammates care about is, are you a reliable teammate, um, and are you working towards the same goal that I am? In other words, can you help me win? Does, does anything else really matter apart, apart from that? Well, I mean, and that's part of the culture of, of an organization and of a team is um, fitting into the, into the mold, to the blend. Um, I don't, I don't see this. I, I, I see this situation with D'Angelo as more of a um, teammate situation. He's a young player, and you know, he's going to be considered a young player in this league for (laughs) a few more years. Right. right? Like, and the, and there, there comes, there comes some, some growing pains to that. Like it's, you know, I, I look back at my own experiences and I was incredibly fortunate to come into an amazing group of veteran players. And as a young player, um, if, if, if I stood out in a negative way, I knew it. They knew it. And so you, 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 you adjust, you, you make, 
you, know, you, you make the necessary uh, changes that you have to, uh, to to be able to, to be a part of this group. I think that with what's going on, it's humbled him a bit. And I think that he's looking uh, at this as, as an opportunity for him to to prove a lot of people wrong and to have redemption in terms of the situation that occurred in, in, in New York. And, and I don't know the full extent of what was said or anything, but I can understand and being in the moment where, you know, you're, you're upset or frustrated that, you know, a, a, a teammate has let the group down and part of being a professional is not necessarily calling a person out in that. It's just every everyone knows. Like you know when you make mistakes. Right? So it doesn't need to be glorified. Right. Whether whether it be in the room or in the media. And I think that this player has has understood his 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 shortcoming uh, as a teammate in that situation. And I think he's going to be better off in the long run. I mean, he's certainly run the gamut. I mean, uh, there were racial or ethnic slurs uh, back. And frankly, there's a video going around on social media uh, with his dad saying, uh, well, I would have been suspended uh, every day. We said those words every day. And I'm, I'm, those kind of things kind of just make me shake my head. I'm like, wow, I can't believe he said that uh, in, with a microphone on in front of a camera. Um those kind of things are hard for people to unsee. Um, so, and the, it, oh, that's, that, yeah, that's today's world. It's, I mean, there's, there's nothing that goes unnoticed. Yeah, I mean, it's, obviously, that's how it is. And, and honestly, that's in in many ways how D'Angelo kind of ramped up this uh, his latest problems was. Uh, social media. And I know the team said something about, you know, he's not really on social media anymore. Uh, you know, in some ways, everybody's on social media because there are so many different forms of social media. But I want to get to this thing, and then we're going to get to the, the actual players uh, with Eric Cole. I think people would be upset if they found out what some of their favorite players were like. Um, because this is, I think, what sports asks us to do. Um, and I think you know my position covering this team. Um, I cover the team, but I also have relationships. I mean, I mean, I value my conversations with the head coach or Justin. You know, I go back um, when you were a player, um, our friend Kevin Adams, who's, I think, killing the summer in Buffalo, um, you know, the Brett Hedekin, and I was going to bring up Adams and Hedekin because they were both acquired midseason your rookie year, and I can't yeah, think of they were a, a big reason why we made it to the Cup Finals that year. That year, and then won the Stanley Cup uh, four years later. Yeah. I mean, you're you're just not going to find two you know higher character people than those two. Um, but the relationships that I have with the team, I almost have to act. It puts me in a position of trying to be a, of of trying to not be a fan with this, because I hold Rod and Justin, who I'm in some way had to be part of the conversations, um, bringing Tony D'Angelo in, and I think sports 
asks of fans and people who are close to the personnel, it asks us to kind of compromise our own values. And we have to decide whether or not, like Kansas City Chiefs fans are fans of the Kansas City Chiefs and love Tyreek Hill. Not trying to associate with what Tyreek Hill did with what Tony D'Angelo did, um, but they're, they're character flaws. So it asks us to deal, you know, put a value on something, winning, versus here's what my values are. There's a lot of people that have canceled season tickets. Now, I don't know if they're not going to go ever to a game or not going to watch a game. I have no idea. But some people feel strongly enough to do that. Um, and I just think that people need to understand that it does. It asks us to make very difficult choices. Does that make sense? In, in some ways, yeah. Um, you know, for, for me, I look at it. And <laughs> this is some of the unfortunate drawbacks of professional sports. Okay, like he's he, he's still uh, a maturing young adult. He's not um, been a professional for many years. So, like, it, 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 if a situation like this happens with a uh, you know, a student athlete at UNC or at Duke or at NC State, like what happens? There's a lot of forgiveness, right? Like, because they're not technically getting paid yet. Okay, so like these these players, you know, come in at a young age and, you know, are basically, you know, given the keys to the castle. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think there has to be a, a little bit of level of um, forgiveness from from an organization, from teammates, from fans, everything. And um, you know, like fans will. <laughs> I mean, fans fans will cancel season tickets if their favorite player gets. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like at, at the end of the day, like this is this is a business, and the more that uh, you know, people realize that, and especially like in this area, it's a little bit more difficult because we have such a prominent uh, uh, you know like footprint in in college sports with. With, with with Duke and UNC and, and NC State being so close by, um, so I I strongly feel that like this kid like deserved uh, an opportunity. I think that he recognized um, his shortcomings. And I think that this is going to be a wonderful environment for him to mature and become, uh, you know, not just a, a young adult, but also a, a really good professional. And, you know, you, you touched on guys like character guys, like Kevin and, and, um, and Brett Hennigan. You know, the, the cup runs that we went to don't happen 
without those guys. Mm-hmm. And this organization has a history of having good people here. And that's something that I think the organization has prided themselves on and has continued to make it a point that you know, we, we're, we're not only interested in, in the player, we're, we're interested in the person. And that goes a long way here in this market, in my opinion. All right, let's get, let's get to some, uh, let's get to the ice. Uh, went uh, much longer than I wanted to with that, but I, th- I just think that it's, it's an important topic. It's, and People are still, I think it's it's still raw for a lot of people. And, and listening to the two press conferences, uh, the two Zoom calls with Don Waddell first and then uh, Tony D'Angelo after that, um, it, was, uh, it was interesting. I was actually, in a way, uh, probably a little bit more impressed. And I, I mean, I'm not like bowled over, but uh, impressed with the way Tony handled it more so than... Uh, than Don did. I would have liked to have heard from the owner, Tom Dundon, uh, regarding that, but well, I, I understand why uh, why he didn't. All right, let's get to the, the ice. The, the, just real quick. Sure. Like, uh, uh, you know, the last thought on, on that topic is the onus is on the player. The right. onus is on the, the, the player, the person. And, it, it, and it's going to come to fruition over the next few years as this player matures and and you know grows into becoming uh, an everyday NHLer and what it takes to be a, a pro in this league. There's this there, there's a difference, okay? Like you you can be an NHL player. That's one thing. Like there's hundreds of them, right? <laughs> but to understand what it means to be an everyday NHL player and this is your profession and you value it. That's another another set of circumstances. And I think that this kid just needs some time to mature. And I think he will. All right. Let's talk about the, uh, the player, Tony D'Angelo. My son was asking me about him today. It's like, what kind of player is he? Is he anything like Dougie? <laughs> and I went, well, I mean, on the ice. Goodness, I, goodness, I hope not. <laughs> well, no, but uh, on the ice, I'm it's kind of right, isn't? I mean, he yeah. is. No. Two, well, two years ago. Gotta... Well, give me an example of, uh, of what do you think of Tony D'Angelo, the player? I think he has a, a ton of upside, like for certain. There's, there's a reason that. Um, you know, players get second chances, and his on-ice talent uh, certainly warrants that. He's a tremendous offensive uh, defenseman and a right-shot defenseman, which, um, you know, in the later stages of my career, the the, the, the right, right-handed shot defenseman that was offensive-minded and had good instincts was like a unicorn from right. Mike Green in in Washington. Uh, you know, Mike was so so valued uh, for a number of years. So um, 
I think, like in in my opinion, like you know this this kid has the ability to be uh, certainly in the top four, you know, setting. Um, I think you know with the similarities to 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 Dougie and whatnot. I think that this kid has a bit more will to win or desire to win. I think that um, at, at times there were, and, and it may, may just be like a personality trait um, where, uh, where, 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 where Dougie like didn't, didn't come through uh, in certain situations where the organization needed him. Right. And, and so I think that like this, this player, Daniel's a really good, uh, not necessarily replacement because he's still learning. So he's not a replacement at this point. Um, but he's somebody that can hone his skills and learn the game from, uh, another perspective and become uh, a really effective player for this organization. Is it? Would it be fair to say that D'Angelo, along with Ethan Bear, who on the low, the Fogel for Bear trade, who's played basically, what, a year and a half in the NHL with Edmonton, who looks like he's, like there's something there. Um, like he might even be able to play in your top four at some point. Uh, Ian Cole, a veteran, plays the left side, who's kind of physical, you know, defensive-minded. And Brendan Smith, who also came, I guess the Rangers are just moving here. Um, uh, is it fair to say that maybe they've upgraded, like they're better defensively today than they were a year ago? Well, the, the way that this all works is whether or not everyone buys into what their role is in this organization um, and, and they have been skewed or, you know, different or not exactly, you know, outlined very well in other organizations. And I think that when they come here, there's going to be a clear cut knowledge of, uh, of where everyone is, is seated and where everyone fits in and what's expected of them. And I think that, I think that doing that, um, you know, helps the player uh, to be able to, you know, play at their highest level. So you, you talk about the, you know, the bear kid coming in, like he's, he's got a lot of potential. There's, there are certain situations that, that come forth where, you know what, an organization you know, grant the player another opportunity because there's there's just not a fit there with with that organization, and you you wouldn't be doing the the, the player any favors by continuing to keep him on your roster. You know I mean, some organizations right. actually actually care about the player, and so so for me, you know. Changes in organization like that uh, provide a player with an opportunity to perhaps 
make somebody see something in them that they, you know, weren't weren't allowed to to put on display, like prior, like in their prior situation. Uh, Brendan Smith, I played with him in in Detroit. I played with his brother in Dallas. He's a great young man, and I think in Detroit there was a lot of pressure on him to be the next. Nicholas Cornwall. Oh gosh. And, or that you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's there's certain expectations from within one organization to another that you know that, that, that don't cross over. And so so for me, like it's it's a situation where guys can come in and they have a fresh start and they're gonna understand what's expected of them what the role is and Roddy does a great job of communicating that with his players and they're going to be able to flourish under this, you know, new umbrella of how do I come to the rink every day and do my job? And that's like, as a professional athlete, that's like the best thing that you can, you can hope for. You know exactly what's expected of you in any profession, really. You know what's expected of you day in, day out. All right, I'm going to ask you one one more question about defense. I wasn't going to go here, but I am just curious, and I'm probably going to do it at the expense of a different question. Um, are Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci as good as I believe they are, whereas I think that to a, you know varying degrees – Anybody can play with Slavin, and they look fine. And the same goes with Pesci, and I'm not trying to slight Brady Shea. Um, I think those guys are elite players at their position, and I think they each have more offense to give, and I think they will give that going forward. Uh, Am I crazy? No. In fact, in my opinion, no matter whom you put with uh, either one of those two, not only are they going to make them uh, like a, a good player, they're going to be fine, they're going to look fine, they're going to make that person a better player. Um, I, I, for, for me, like obviously, like Slavin is highly, highly underrated. Um, Still. I, I love, I love to hear when analysis or analysts might talk about um, about him because I, I, I don't I still don't think he gets enough credit mm-hmm. for what he does and how he approaches the game. And then I I hold Pesci in the in, in the same in the same regard, in the same light that he he he'll he'll make your life so easy as a D partner, he yep. can make, you know, he, he can make situations a lot easier on, on you and your partner uh, by being just a, you know, a, a, a solid like presence. And um, he, yeah, he's just, for me, he's, he's a wonderful player and, um, I think that no matter who those two guys are paired with, 
you instantly can have a top four. Yeah. I, I love I love both guys, and if I were the Hurricanes, as soon as the law, meaning the rules, allow, uh, I would say, "Hey, Brett, how do we do? How do we make this happen forever?" Uh, and that'll be happen one year before you can do the same thing with Slavin because his contract is the term in his deal is one uh, one year more, and I would do the same thing. I would keep them to me. They're forever Hurricanes. I remember last year in the off season uh, when. Uh, it was clear that Winnipeg was going to trade Patrick Lyonet. Uh, and it actually, you know who Dave Panyota is, and it got me off on the wrong foot with Dave Panyota. Uh, but he and I have since absolutely um, uh, come to uh, come to terms, and we communicate a lot now. Um, but he had talked about, uh, you know, that Hurricanes, the, the rumor was Brett Pesci and Martin Natchez for Patrick Lyonet. And I, and I, I mean, I went hard in the paint on Twitter, and I'm like, they, Hurricanes wouldn't even do Pesci straight up for Lyon. There's no chance they would do that. Um, no, and good, yeah, you, yeah. You can't no, you, you can't underestimate uh, the value of having these guys on your blue line. It's plain and simple, it, they're they're a big part of it, and they're a big reason why the Hurricanes have uh, been able to have. You know, year after year, continued success. All right, I'm going to ask you one more thing. It's going to be about Andrei Svechnikov. Again, there are a bunch of other things, but we've already gone too long. Uh, and you have, uh, I don't know, you might have a pool to clean. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we always go too long. I'm, I'm super long-winded. It's all right. So am I. Um, what would you do? I mean, Andre didn't have a great year last year. He had a great start. Didn't have a great year. I don't think he was particularly impactful in the playoffs, except for I know the numbers look okay, but I don't think he really imposed enough of his will in the postseason, and he committed his share of stupid penalties, which cost him. Um, so what would you do in terms of a contract? It's a restricted free agent. Is it a bridge contract, a couple of years? Buy it to, buy, I think it's better for Andre if he does a, a, a shorter deal and hit the market again when the salary cap is not as flat? Uh, or yeah, do you do a big deal and maybe pay him a little bit more than you would want to right now? I, I'm in agreement with the bridge contract for me. Um, and, and I think, it, like like you, you touched on it, I think it'll work both ways. It'll work for the organization and for the player. Um He's, he's he's established himself as a really good NHL player, but there's you know in terms of the contract signing, there's either another level that he's going to get to, or there's not. And I think a bridge contract will help them buy them some more time. To evaluate, you know that 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 progression. Um, do I think that you know he, he still got more to offer? Absolutely. Um, I, in in my opinion, I view him as as somebody that you know, should be able to dictate a game and control a game and 
change the course uh, of a game individually, like not even just as part of right part of the you know like the you know another cog on the wheel. Like he he has that ability, uh, but what he what he does with it, and whether or not he 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 takes that next step. And that's up to him. And so I think a bridge contract is the most ideal situation for him. And based on how Tom likes to handle things, like he would most likely prefer to see, you know, results prior to, mm-hmm. or, you know, you, if you prove yourself uh, to Mr. Dundon, then he, he's, he's going to reward you for that. So, um, I think I, th- I think both the organization and Andre are in a, they're in a good situation. If he wants to, you know, try and just hit the market as soon as he can and see what's out there, like you know, part of this whole free agency thing from for me is so skewed um, having. You know, been a part of the league and been a player rep and everything. Mm. Like, as as much as there are these big numbers being thrown out there and big dollar signs that are being, you know, offered to players, at the end at the end of the day, the only thing that matters, in that sense, is what's the escrow going to be? Like what? Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, at, at some point, the players need to understand that you know taking less and having uh, a team where you can have several really good players uh, all under the salary cap and everything will benefit more so than everybody just continuing to sign these inflated number contracts like just because you know, it says the players make $8 million or $9 million or whatever it is. Like, that's not the number that you're actually going to make. And you're only hurting your organization and your team by signing those contracts. Like, at the end of the day, like, you may sign that contract and, you know, think that you're the top player in the market or whatever. But realistically, with escrow and how it relates to, you know, hockey-related revenues and everything, you 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 could be losing twenty percent of that contract. So why not take less and have more really good players around you, and figure out a way to even out the you know the difference between player cost and hockey-related revenue, so that your escrow is somewhere between zero and 10% right. rather than somewhere between 10% and 25%. Yeah. And it's going to so, be, it's going to be high so, for the next, uh, for the next couple of years. Let me well, ask yeah. you one, one more thing it, about, it, okay. No, it's just it, like, for me, like it, 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 it's at times baffling that that players don't, don't understand. They don't fully understand. The, the system in which they're playing under. Right. All right, final thing about Andre. Um, and it kind of alludes to something you had said before. 
for three years, Andre's two best friends on the team were Dougie Hamilton and Warren Fogle. How much of a benefit, actually, do you think it'll be for Andre that those guys are not here? You, you know, that, that, that becomes a situation where it's hard to say. Um, and you, you won't know the result until it actually comes to fruition. Right. So, um, you know, I, I think that in some ways it could be a, a good scenario. I think that in a lot of ways it puts the emphasis on the player more so to become an even bigger part of the group and not just be uh, isolated to, to one or two, you know, persons on the roster. Right. So, so I, I think there's, I, I think as a whole, this factors into, you know, do we sign them long term? Is, is it a bridge deal? Like, this is all going to factor into it and how he handles this. Uh, is is going to be important, and how he reacts to it is going to be even more important. And it's it's just it's literally about the evolution of a professional hockey player and the maturity level and where do you where do you want to take it from here? You know and. Uh, uh, I just, I just think that, I think that the organization's in a really good situation with him, and I think that there's a really good opportunity for him to become an everyday impact player in this league. And it's just, it's, it's up to him to to figure out how to do that. And at the same time, I think the organization is giving him the best opportunity to do that. Yeah, I, I look. If I were uh, if I were Andre, I would want a short deal. I would want a three times whatever six and a half deal. I think that would be uh, the team would like that too. Give them some flexibility to do something crazy like I don't know, maybe go out and try to trade for Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, but also, if I was the organization, I would consider doing the Martin Natchez thing now, uh, and I would do the same thing. I would do uh, I would do a short deal for Natchez. Um, I. I'd make the argument that last year, Natchez was the better player than Andre. Certainly valuable, killed penalties. I thought that was the most eye-opening thing about last year's team was how good, even though he made mistakes, how good Natchez was on the PK, how dangerous he was on the PK. Um, I think those two guys can be cornerstone uh, wingers if Natchez doesn't move to the middle. I just um, There aren't that many teams that have players that young who are that good. Yeah, I mean that's a fair point. Like, and that's another player that you know, the Hurricanes have a lot of players that are all in this kind of same dynamic or scenario where they're still learning what it takes to be an everyday, everyday pro. And I think that with with patience, and that's going to be an important factor in this for the Hurricanes. Is not if they can show it as an organization patience with these players that 
you know, these players are going to turn into hopefully, you know, like you said, wonderful, like cornerstone, you know, pieces. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, for, for, for the group moving forward. So it, but at the same time, it's, you know, it, it's something that the coaching staff and management and everybody, the scouts, everything, like they, they see it in and out day to day. And that's where it's decided upon. It's not just what you do, you know, when, when the lights go on and, and, you know, there's, there's, you know, 19,000 fans. In, in the stands, <laughs> it's what it's what you do on a day to day basis. Right. And I think that that's that's one of the biggest factors um, in today's NHL into being an everyday NHL or an everyday uh, player in this league and a really good professional. All right, Eric Cole. Don't you have softball practice or something to get to? No, I, I'm. I'm <laughs> This practice this weekend. It's it's all good. They're fine without me. We'll we'll be we'll, we'll be kicking off the uh, the fall season before you know it. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I still own a glove. I found it. I I was missing it for about a year. We found it. I don't remember where we found it, but we found it. It needs to be oiled, but I used to be a softball player back in the day. Uh, but I appreciate your time. You're the best. You know that. Um. And uh, well, I'm sure we'll talk very soon. Yeah, absolutely. I'm here anytime. And uh, I always enjoy our chat. That's for sure. And there you have it. Uh, a lot of my thoughts, a lot of Eric Cole's thoughts. We'll always hear your thoughts. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Let us know what you think. You can always hit me on Twitter at a gold fan. Eric Cole, of course, not on Twitter. Uh, Kane's Corner Podcast brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. No place like it. Uh, hope you uh, hope you have a good one. We will talk to you, oh, in a week or so. Uh, whenever, uh, whenever events warrant, uh, we will let you know what's going on here on the Kane's Corner Podcast. Bye. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.